Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless I guess it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. My guest today is a fellow podcaster, one half of the podcast Homophilia, which has become really, I think, one of the longest standings and biggest queer podcasts ever. I had the pleasure of being a guest a couple years ago. Matt McConkie. And I pause because, you know, those names you are very nervous about mispronouncing. Well, Matt, you've got a last name that I'm scared to mispronounce. But Matt is lovely. He's an actor. He also has a new podcast called And Just Like Matt, which is all dedicated to sex in the city. What gay man doesn't love sex in the city? My brother. I guarantee you he's never even watched it, but whatever. What's really fun about this episode is that we end up talking about one of the characters in And Just Like That, Karen is her real name, and she plays Naya, and she's also in The Morning Show. And Matt and I recorded this episode, and like a day or two later, I ended up meeting Karen at a work event, which was really, really fun, and getting her perspective on shooting both of those huge shows at one time. So I obviously wish I had met her before we had recorded, but it was really fun. Uh, You'll hear us talking about her But that's a little fun, like drop it like it's hot moment from me. But Matt is a love. We also share a deep, deep love for our acupuncturist, Russell. But yeah, enjoy the show. How does one get to create and start like one of now I would say the press junket stop off for all queer folk podcasts? You're asking me? Yeah, you have it. Homophilia is like one of the biggest queer podcasts ever. I don't, sometimes it feels like we are and sometimes it feels like everyone has forgotten about us, but um, I don't know. I mean, Dave, just the Dave Holmes of it all certainly helps. How did you and Um, Dave Holmes meet? It was a matchmaking thing, like you were saying. At the time, we followed each other uh, on Twitter and I, I was a fan, of course. And I had just done like a little podcast mini series about, do you remember Finding Prince Charming? Of course I yeah. do. Lance Bass, yes. if I remember correctly. That's right. Yeah. I had just done like a weird little mini series about that called Rock Bottom. And uh, <laughs> and then, and and Dave sent, we just exchanged pleasantries. Like he liked that. And I loved his book, but that was the extent of it. And then when I asked Earwolf, about having my own ongoing podcast there. And I was like, I want to do just like a queer interview show, which at the time strangely felt like an original idea. And, he, and they were like, we love well, that idea. I think it was back then an original idea. And, well, yeah, I mean, this was over, over six years ago, maybe. I'm, I don't know what year it was, but they were basically like, we love that, love that idea. You're not enough. Like, who else can we bring in? And I was like, every funny gay person I know already has a podcast. I don't know. I, I got no one. And they were like, what about Dave Holmes? And I said, well, I love Dave Holmes. Sure. I mean, he's not going to do it. I think he already has three podcasts. 
And um, and then he said yes because he had been think he wanted to do a similar thing. So it, like he really elevated the proceedings. Like it, it turned into a much better show just because I was with a real interviewer who is so brilliant, but just so like polished and puts everyone at ease and isn't like a bumbling weirdo like I can be. Same. I'm that. I'm the bumbling weirdo. Oh, hard. But, you know, Dave Holmes is polished in that awesome, just peak, peak, peak MTV era where it's, you've got a touch of Kurt Loder, mm. like, delivery. Yeah. And yet you at least are cool. Do you know what I'm yes, saying? 100%. Like, you've got, you, like, can deliver the news, but you're not a fucking cornball. Exactly. You got a little something. Like, you know that perhaps they're hungover or like just did a little cocaine or are like MTV spring break just trying to survive, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ex polish is maybe the wrong word because it implies. No, he is polished. He, but he's not slick. He is not that person. Like he's, he's coming in with a warm authenticity, you know? Has there ever been a time where you've been incredibly intimidated by Dave on your podcast? God, that's such a good question. I I know, but I expected to be. Before I knew him, right. I, I, I was I was like, oh, so that's gonna be the dynamic. I'm gonna be like the I'm gonna be the Robin to his Howard. And by the way, what an honor. But like, am I even gonna be able to hang with him? Am I gonna and it just quickly became obvious that like we're bringing different things to the table and that's okay. And you know, my, my, my whole life's work, Russell could tell you this, is uh, just accepting that what I'm bringing to the table is enough in every circumstance. Oh my God, are we the same person? Is this be. why Russell was like, you and Matt will love each other? I mean, I was deeply jealous when I saw that Russell, and for those listening, the OGs will know exactly who Russell is. Russell is the best acupuncturist in the whole universe. Mm -hmm. Um, and Matt and I share him as a friend and as a practitioner, but I saw that he was on your podcast and that's where it all like jumped off. And I was like, what you went on? I am too intimidated to interview Russell. I don't know what I can't. It's hard. I can't charm Russell because he knows my ways, you know? Same. I know it's, it's so weird to be like, you've seen me in sob, like snot onto your pillows about the strangest things that were like drudged up during an acupuncture session like how am i gonna try to interview oh, you are you a crier oh, in acupuncture 100%. are you not i'm pretty dead inside do you want to i'll i'll bring everybody in i don't know if i'm like violating hipaa but i can't even fall asleep his big thing is he's like trying to get me to relax and go out and mm. i won't so every time i'll come around the corner and he's waiting for me just like a ray of light in his beautiful white box. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you didn't get me. I was like, ah! <laughs> I've cried like once. And I wow. think that's just because, yeah, I know you would think I have so much to cry over, but. But maybe it's no. also you go so regularly and I go so sporadically that like stuff builds up and you're maybe you're just keeping it, you know, Buried cleaned out. Deep. Oh, I mean. Yeah. I'm on so many antidepressants, I can't cry. That's the other fucking annoying mm. thing. I like want to. Sometimes I'm like, ah! you know, you like try to like <laughs> force it, but it just won't come because I'm just like, I've cried all the tears yeah. that I needed to cry. That's okay. And it's then when I cry, I like really cry. 
here's my question. Well, you probably don't experience this with Russell because you're so close, but what I meant to ask him when he was on the podcast, and I can't believe I didn't, because I can never ask him this when I see him for an appointment. It's just too weird. Is like you go in, you sit down, you have like the most cathartic mini therapy session of your life. Then the actual treatment starts, also very cathartic and trippy and amazing. You come out and you're you're accusoned, you're like stumbling out of there, you're feeling so good. And Russell is at the front desk, like, hi, give me your card. He swipes it. He's like, hi. He it's like you just made sweet, sweet love. And afterward, he's like, bye-bye. I know, go. but that's what I do when I make sweet, sweet love. So I'm telling you, we are like one and the same. We are twin flames. Oh, well. I usually make him sort of laugh and then I like ask about Giorgio. I mean, listen, we, I know it is true. You're so right though. It is the most transformational. I will tell you this. I had, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on my podcast and this is definitely not what I meant to ask you, but here we are. Okay. I was sleeping. I wouldn't even call dating. I was sleeping with this guy that I actually met at a swingers party. Oh, I was there with another woman who's very hot. Her name's Julia. If you're listening, hi, Julia. She's definitely not listening, but whatever. And I had seen him there and he was super handsome, toned, whatever guy. So I somehow exchanged numbers with him and I want to go out on a date. And he was, what he did for work was very mm, unclear. Mm. Like, I think he might have allegedly sold drugs. I think he might have allegedly been involved in illegal activity. But I know what he was definitely involved in was this weird, like, Ayurvedic sex, like, yoga cult in Whoa. San Francisco. Yes. Oh, yes. Which I didn't know. And I was pretty impressionable. I was like 23, 24. I mean, as impressionable as Liz Cully can be, mm. I should say. And whatever, we like start sleeping together, which was great, but it was like really intense. And I, I know this sounds insane. I know this does not make any sense. So lock me up, if you will. I felt like he was reading my brain sometimes when we were having sex. Oh. I would be like thinking about something and he would say something and I was like, what the fuck? So one day he's like, you have so much anxiety as most 23 year old women in sure. the world do come to see my practitioner in San Jose. I was living in San Francisco where I'm from. And I didn't have a car. So I borrowed my mom's Volvo. And I think it, this was like MapQuest. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I have like all the papers, like trying to figure out where it is. And I go with him to go see this like 150-year-old one of the most sought out after acupuncturists like from China, like incredible guy. And I, that was the weirdest, most fucked up, crazy experience I have ever been in in my life. He separated us in different rooms and practiced us both. And he said to me, like, you can't handle this guy. Like, you got to get away from this guy. And like, you have so the much. I mean, is saying this about the guy you're sleeping. Yes. With. This oh. like a hundred year old Asian man is like telling me to stay away from this like hot yoga sex cult guy who had been his you know, patient or whatever for what he had told me wow. 10 plus years. He was like, it's not good. And he like did all this energy work on me. And that is when I actually sobbed. I was like, I felt crazy and I drove home and never called him again. Wow. 
And any moment now, I'm okay. sure a documentary about his cult is coming out. Oh, my God. If I see one more cult documentary, like Twin Flame, Lover's Loves, like Queen of the whatever, God Mother Earth, what in the world is going on with these people who are just blindly going on Facebook and giving these wackadoos that like, are, you know, live on Waikiki Beach all of their life savings. Can you explain it to me? Because I, 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 I can't. can't. I mean, I, I often watch just because I want to be like part of the conversation. Like, I, you know, I just want to be able to to chime in with my hot take when I'm out with, with every, everyone else is watching it. But it's, it does get so boring. It's like, how are there still, we're so saturated with just cult documentaries. How are there even enough cults to begin with to provide for that like part i i i don't did you see it's, any of, of mother god though Are you oh familiar? i watched 15 minutes of it and i was like first of all this this movie or this film the series key art is very misleading this woman does not look like this two i'm like this lady is crazy i i i just listen it sucks because obviously these people are vulnerable and they're going through things but i'm like I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, I grew up in the age of the 90s of like the chat room and I definitely was in a couple of AOL chat rooms where I was like, hmm, I think like this is becoming an episode of To Catch a Predator. Mm -hmm. Like you got to have that spidey sense and perhaps these people don't have the the spidey sense, you know? I, yeah, I don't know. I, I read this book cult, Cultish by Amanda Montel and it's so good. And she, she's, I think she's a linguist and it's all, and her sort of thesis is like, you know, everybody thinks that anyone who will, can fall, fall into a cult of any kind is like, is gullible or stupid. And her argument is like the, the secret to successful culting is all in using like language that makes people feel like they're a part of your community. I mean, I, she's obviously going to articulate it a lot better than I can. And it's pretty convincing, but then you watch something like Mother God, and you're like, "But these people are just dumb dumbs." There is, and no it's like low budge. Like, listen, if I'm going cult, I'm going like Keith Raniere. Like, yeah. I want the fancy. Like, give. I am a bougie, bougie, bougie bitch uh, always. So, I would even argue, give me standard Westernized religion. Perhaps yeah. that's the bougiest cult that I should be a part of. But no, I, this. Yeah, Mother Earth, that seemed real low budge, and they all seemed like ding-dongs. You were pretty correct. pretty janky. When I first moved to L.A. and I was so desperate to be an actor, like if, if a Scientologist had made a successful pitch to me about how that would have mm. helped my career, a thousand percent would have given them everything. But they just didn't know to target me at my most vulnerable. So You weren't just walking around Thai Town? Silver Lake, you weren't right there. No, no, I was. I was in the wrong areas. Where and were I, you? I don't, well, I was in West Hollywood. I was at the well, that, center that, of this town. No, those different cults. You were cult at Mickey's. That's a whole different cult. Yeah. So, is that how you started? You came to Los Angeles from where? Well, from New York, but that's. I mean, I was in New York for college. I'm from Ohio, uh, so I when I came here, I liked saying that I was from New York because it was like technically true, but I'm from. I'm from Ohio, but the part of Ohio that like Hillbilly Elegy is set, those are my people. That's my culture. That's why you have such clear skin. That I, that, no, that's the, the Zoom touch-up filter. 
thank mm. you for saying that. You're so welcome. So you came here to be an actor. Had you been doing theater in New York? Yeah. You strike me as a theater person. Yeah, I was a theater major and came here to be a movie star. Shockingly, that didn't happen. But Same, baby. Same. Wait, were you an actor? Oh, yeah. I was like a kid oh. actor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What but like not a successful one. Theater. I did like um, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. Marin, like I did all the Marin plays. Like I went to boarding school for acting, got into wow. a very big fight with my theater teacher, didn't pursue that. And then went back to San Francisco and I crushed at commercials. Crushed oh, sure. and came came down here thinking I was famous because I got booked on something pretty big. And then I didn't realize that you have to like actually shoot it. It has to test and it then has to go to network. Mm. I was like, I'm rich, bitch. And I'm no, I was like, I should have stayed having sex with that like 40 year old yogi dude. I probably would have been better off. Do you frankly. still do it? Act that is not have sex with it. No. No. no, I don't. I, I was like right there, mm. right there. And like had a couple of really good, I just like lost steam. I was like, I can't keep paying to go see casting. Remember that whole racket mm -hmm. where you'd like go pay to see the casting directors? I couldn't get thin enough. I got dropped by Gersh. I was like, I'm, f everybody can get fucked. I was so little. I was so skinny. I was so tiny. I had to make money. And I was like bartending and, you know, doing whatever. And an opportunity came to go work at MySpace and I took it. Smart. My whole life changed. Yeah, I, I mean, at the time, I was so just like desperate for it that obviously that uh, is very appealing when you walk into a room for an audition. <laughs> just like the sheer thirst that I was coming in with and just like fucking in, insanity. I don't know, the ideas that I had around what every single potential job would mean for my life. Because I was also so broke, and it was like so broke. I'm I'm like suffering just because I'm. I mean, it, it was a form of gambling, really. You know, it was just like this like delusional belief that this one thing was going to change. But I think I'm like back into it now that I'm older, and it's a lot better because I'm not delusional, and I'm not as obsessed with like becoming famous or comparing myself to everyone. I've already accepted that everyone is doing a lot better than me and I'm perfectly happy that way. But I was, yeah, I was just such a late bloomer that it, that kind of endeavor, like trying to start an acting career, was like, who the fuck am I kidding? You know? Well, okay. There, we need to unpack a couple of things that you just said. No, we'll start from the back and roll to the front. So first of all, I think queer people are late bloomers. I did an interview yesterday and we talked about this in terms of like even parenthood or marriage or like settling down. We have a lot of adult things to figure out typically when either we're children, teenagers or early in our 20s, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a lot. I didn't really come out until my mid 20s. I mean, whatever that even means. I didn't really have a coming out. I mean, I did with my mom, but that was like dark. And that was when I was 28. And I had already been like living in LA for four years, like, you know, just fucking swimming around with a bunch of chicks at that point anyway. So, and men. So it was, you know, whatever. I had to kind of get through all of that and what I wanted. And then even career-wise, I think it sometimes can take queer people a little bit longer to figure out because 
we listen, things have greatly changed. Billie Eilish is like chastising variety for talking about her, you know, sexual orientation and what have you. Like we're in a different time. Gen Z thinks we're all a bunch of fucking losers for talking about the struggles of coming out, which I vehemently disagree with. I think it's important to know our history and our elders, but that's a whole nother podcast and conversation. But I think even in jobs, it's like my big thing when I was acting is they, and especially when I was kind of trying to come out down here, is that some, even some casting directors who are a lot of gay men mm-hmm. would know me from like queer spaces, and but I'm going out for the straight love interest, and that's definitely clouding what they're thinking. And vice versa. You know what I mean? It just like Mm -hmm. wasn't clicking and wasn't working. And so that's one thing. Two, a lot of other people are doing a lot better than you. What are you talking about? You have an ear, you have like two network produced podcasts. We haven't even, what we're 20 minutes in, we haven't even talked about your Sex in the City podcast where you have every like actor and comedian extraordinaire on that you're doing and it has your name in the title. I was even too much of a fucking wimp to put my name in the title of this podcast. I was uh, just that much of a narcissist, I guess. No, you're. It's because you people. You've been doing a big podcast for six years. You know a bajillion people. Like, come on, Matt. I, yeah, listen. I, no, you're right. I mean, like, like, things are good. I, I'm, I'm happy. You know. And you're acting again, or you're auditioning again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting back out there and you know, it's, it's as humiliating as ever, but it, I don't know. I don't, I don't like live and die by it. The way Listen, Neil Patrick Harris was only going to have so much time. It's your time to shine. Okay. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I know, it's, I know what you're saying. It's like, especially back in the day, like the mid aughts when I was really like doing pilot seasons and that kind of thing, it was, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't really a time you could be, out if no. you were trying because i was sort of trying to put myself into like a poor man's john krasinski box you know i was like oh I yeah can, i can pass for straight so i have to really stay in that lane and and i was very encouraged to stay in that lane but i was also like pouring around at the bars every single night you know and so i yeah it did come it did come back to bite me a couple of times i had a, a manager that sort of swept me off my feet who dumped me the minute she found out that I was gay. And I was like, at least wait to find out that I'm not a good actor and then dump me for that or something like that. I didn't even get a chance to blow it. Oh my God, she was just, it my mean agent at Gersh? She sucked. Whatever. She sad. found out I was gay and was like, what are we going to do about your hips? I'm like, I don't know oh what we're going to do. Break them? Like, I what do you, remove them? Like, I know people remove ribs, but like, what? Jesus. Yeah. It is. Listen, 10 years ago was a different time. Like things are very different than they were. Did you ever you say it came to bite you in the ass, but like how out of body or was it just a character? Was it to try to play like a heterosexual love interest? Oh, my God. It it was. Were you like, what am I doing right now? Like, could you never I I couldn't really do that authentically like it, it. the, the one thing you kind of need to act well. And it's not that I don't think gay people can play straight and vice versa and all. It, I, I just wasn't good at it. I became even more obsessed with how I looked and how I sounded than I already was as just a queer person living in LA. I'm just like putting myself under an even harsher like 
microscope and you know wasn't wasn't a healthy way to be i i remember this one there was a like my most desperate i mean this wasn't a straight role but there was a, a kind of a game show called gay straight or taken does that ring oh about? my god yes and so uh, the, the the woman would have to go out on three dates with three guys, and then she would have to guess which one was gay, which one was straight, and which one was taken, which is also you can be more than one of those things. But the idea was they, it was a single gay guy, a single straight guy, and a, a, a taken straight guy. And so they needed guys, actors, to be the, the dudes, somebody who could theoretically be any of those three things. And the audition for that was the mo the darkest chapter was that of an my mtv life. show I, it, I don't even know if it, it feels like it was jankier than mtv but i had to what's jankier than er, mid-aughts mtv yeah true life fucking i've had 42 children like all those right. teen moms like we're gonna look it up it would have been gay straight taken i have to google it reality oh only one season Shocking. of this Lifetime. Lifetime. That I knew it that was even jankier than MTV. We found the one track. thing that was even. And so the audition was like, okay, so imagine that you are on a like a party boat with your date, and you know you've had a few drinks, and maybe the shirt comes off, and you're dancing, and you're just kind of like feeling it. And so they turn on Justin Timberlake, Senorita, in the audition room there filming me and I <laughs> take my shirt off and do my best like bro-y kind of like arms in the air, you know. Wave them around dancing. like you just don't care. It was just oh. like uh, so. <laughs> I'm so beyond. sorry. I, I don't even, that's crazy. Well, and here's the worst part. I, I got a call that I got the job and the money wasn't even, it was like 300 bucks or something, which at the time oh, yeah. I was like, but I need that. That's what, that's for that's for a day. Three hundred bucks for a day. You think? And one of my friends was like, "I forbid you to do this. This is the one thing that is beneath you." And I was like, "I don't know if it is." Thank God, I listened to them. Why? That would be. You don't think that'd be like a really fun thing to Google? It would. Be, I guess I, dark. Yeah, it would be dark. I mean, listen, those casting people saved the audition video. Love to see it. Wow. Great blackmail material. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for bringing that into a safe place, space. Yeah, thank you for creating as, yeah. a container for that. I mean, the I've done, I did an American apparel ad. <gasps> Whoa. And I survived. I came out alive. And what did I you mean, have there to is, I flew down from San Francisco. There are pictures on the internet somewhere. And I'm in white underwear like cotton like and a the white yeah no not bre like yeah not like shorts but like underwear yeah, full yeah. back and i'm wearing like a white little triangle bra and i was they had me playing with like a little car oh, it looked wow. so porn voyeuristic the amount of weird modeling i did on model mayhem like what's model mayhem you don't know what model mayhem oh, is no Ooh, Model Mayhem is where only the strong survive. <laughs> it is like a Craigslist for modeling. Oh, shit. It's dark. 
I did do a couple of cool things. I met like one or two cool people. I actually met a guy who ended up doing a Citibank ad and was like in magazines and that was fine. Mm. But most of it is like amateur photographers looking for models to do softcore porn or like artistic modeling. My wife thinks it's the funniest. She calls them my um, nymph photos. I have some, I should pull, I should pull them up of me naked, but like butterflies and flowers just glued to my body. Wow. Oh, so crazy. I'll get your cell phone number after this and text them to you. It's unhinged. I'm actually sort of glad that they survive. Like one photo is like me in like saran wrap. Oh my God. It's crazy. I mean, as long as it wasn't too traumatizing, I'm sure there's something good about having like a photo. I will never look that good again. I will never. I was 21. I will never look like that again. I looked great. My body was tight. And I hated my body, of course, at the time and thought I was so fat. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would pay. I would empty my 401k to look like that again. (laughs) Permanently. I listen. I don't even have to see the pictures to tell you. I would, too. You would. Yeah, we would all. So speaking of looking back on the past, <laughs> most segue. chaotic segue, you have a new-ish podcast, newer than Homophilia, mm-hmm. uh, called And Just Like Matt, which I obviously love because, well, your name's in it. As I said, you're doing well and big enough to have your name in a podcast, which is huge. I, I don't know about that. Listen, World of Wonder was kind enough to let me do this strange experiment and it was going to be it going to coincide with season two by the way i should say my husband michael we were watching and just like that and i and i was also constantly just in a million text threads about it it was consuming my you know life he was like you should do a podcast and call it just like matt and that was the entire pitch was just like well we got a title and you, you know, have to be pretty big, though. World of Wonder won't even call me back. And I've had pretty much every drag queen imaginable on one of my two shows. But World of Wonder is like, get fucked, which is totally fine. Well, so it's not well, peanuts, again, like I'm saying. No, I, I love them. And we'll have you They're on great. just like Matt so that we can remind them what a star you are. Thank you so much. I mean, my dream would be to be a guest on and Just Like That and also Drag Race. And it's also, I mean, fittingly, it's also like a call to action. And just like Matt, it's like, just like me, please. (laughs) Just give up and like me. I know you want to. I know. Who doesn't like you? What are you talking about? I'm kidding. The lies. Okay, so tell me, though, were you always a Sex in the City fan? Oh, yeah, big time. And it was, I mean, it's, it's heyday was sort of like, I, you know, I'm in, in college in New York and then I'm moving to LA. So I missed a lot of that just because that's the one time in my life that I didn't care about TV. Same. You and I are the same. So I was at boarding school, I'm maybe a year younger than I, you. I don't think and then I went to school and then I went to school in New York, but I had like the See, I had the we bought like the DVDs, so I didn't watch it live. Also, like my parents were never not once paying for HBO. Get out of here! So I saw it later, but then I like binged it pretty like in the same time frame, but yeah. like on my Dell computer. 
Do you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so it was like, as it was wrapping up, I was just ramping up into my obsession with it because it was like starting to reflect my life where, you know, I'm, I'm running around a new city. Like I was in LA, you know, looking for love. And my friends were my first loves and they were the ones that I was processing all the heartbreak with every day, just like, just like our gals. So yeah, I was always- At Kitchen 24. Obsessed. Of course. I mean, I, I actually, I'm actually a little too old for Kitchen 24. I, ha- I, I overlapped with it a little bit, but God, we were going to, um, God, some, j- j- I don't know, just some, some shitholes that aren't there anymore. So many shitholes. WeHo doesn't even look the same. It doesn't even look the same from when I lived there. Yeah, it's really something now. So who were you most identifying with when you were watching it when you first moved to LA? Uh, Carrie, obviously. Mm. Just, you know, I, I mean, Part of that is just the main character syndrome that I think so much, so many of us have. But it was also like she was a creative and she was the seeker and she was the one who was never, you know, couldn't settle down, but was always looking for love. And that was so my story, especially when like I didn't have a career to speak of. I sort of poured all my energy into just the real life drama around like dating guys and breakups and chasing them and getting my heart broken and all that bullshit. So to back up to season one and just like that, mm-hmm. before it even came out, like how excited were you? So excited and tried very hard to manage my expectations because obviously I knew that Kim, Kim Cattrall wasn't going to be in it. Um, what do you make of all that? What's your well, over under on the Kim Cattrall? Versus the cast fight. Well, I'm 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 for sure team SJP if there are teams, and I and I and I I believe SJP would say that there are not because she's a dignified person. But you know, there are me, teams. There, there are teams, and I, I have a clear allegiance. Listen, I think everything you need to know about Kim is again love her so much said so many times like part of the reason to do the podcast was just like a like a you know a an overture to her to win her back as if i have the, the power oh, wow. you really, to okay. bring her yeah. back into the fold hasn't worked she has blocked me on instagram has she but she has wait what i know kim yeah. cattrall blocked you on instagram she did me and the podcast account what were you doing on there? I, I, nothing. I, I think mm. there there may have been one, may have been a one post that was a I don't know Samantha related thing that I tagged her in, maybe, but it wasn't. But it was complimentary. I don't even remember what it is. I'm sure, she gets those all the time. I to I go in she, and physically block someone and your producer is pretty like it's pretty bold, but. Well, I, I can, well, A, do we think she's physically doing it or do we think she's got like an assistant that's no, I think doing the blocking? It. You think she does? I, mean, I think more I famous think, people control their Instagrams than you think. I think she it maybe listened to not an episode, but just like the opening credits. And at the time, I think we changed it, but I think at the time we had little opening credits and I said something like the mission of this podcast is to bring Kim Cattrall back full time. And again, the that's story is unfolding. Love. But I might, she might have thought that I was like a psychotic stalker and she needed to block me for her own safety. Wow. That's obviously not the case. But what I will say is 
you know, what happened between them? Why is there bad blood? But I think everything you need to know comes back to that famous scatting video. I was going to say the same thing. It's like, it's I, I'm sure nobody needs a, 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 a primer, primer primer on what it is, but it's... Well, I just gave yeah. it. I, that's it. Liz did it. It's Kim scatting. And it's I, unhinged. It's, it's unhinged. So, it's so eccentric. It's like someone who doesn't see that as being just batshit crazy is going to just have a different way of moving through the world and relating to her colleagues. You know? No. And I actually, I mean, as silly as we're being, but I actually think you're right. I think not having the wherewithal to understand on how many very obvious but also nuanced levels how fucking unhinged doing that like recorded is shows you how perhaps there are two different sides but then like actually one sort of real perspective like real one reality one reality thank you but i would also say is her interview at the actor's studio was also pretty telling i don't know if you watched that i haven't watched it this happened a long time ago right after seeing this is why you have to have me as a guest this happened right after she was on you know when the show the original show i think when the second did she do both movies oh yeah okay so when the second movie ended and she was just like, yeah, I'm fucking straight off these people. And but the way that she this is sort of when it all jumped off, because this is when she basically was like, I think she's like an evil, horrible person, like a mean girl. That was the interview was at the actor studio with James Lipton, which is crazy to do yeah. in front. I went to the new school having a bunch of like kids who want to be actors sitting there being like. What? Like, this is not what we were asking for. Yeah, they don't want, like, backstage gossip. I mean, I do all the time. I mean, of course, 100%. But that's not the the point of the, yeah. Yeah, so you are blocked from Kim Cattrall, which is fucking amazing. Honestly, I don't think it's a successful podcast unless you're blocked by somebody, but that's my opinion. You watched the first season of And Just Like That. Did you think they were going to get another one? Yeah, for sure. It was just, uh, it was like, everyone is talking about this and not always lovingly, you know, I obviously am a fan and a defender. And when I went in to do the podcast, it was like, there's already plenty of people, you know, going off on the internet about this show, make fun of the show. That is no longer a hot take. Like my hot take is I love this and I am just so happy to be with my friends in, in any capacity even if they're not all here just i'll I'll take it you know i feel like the morning show and just like that season two compete to be the most like borderline ai generated scripts that i've ever seen it's like just throw in any zeitgeisty thing of the last however many years and make a storyline i mean the alcoholism with miranda Like, why do they need to make her a drunk lesbian? Like, many exist, but did she need to be both? Unclear. Yeah, she had one too many disasters happening at the same time. Alcoholism, coming out, you know, starting a new career, getting divorced. It was just like... Also, Brady is so annoying. That's the only thing. You think? Oh, I love Brady. 
Yeah, he's annoying. I mean, the daughters, um, Charlotte's daughters are like, like having a non-binary child, having sex, like it just, like the weed brownies, the mm. like, it's just, it's a lot. It's like how, where are they gonna go, Matt? Where is season oh. three gonna go? Where is Che, Che also, I mean, have you had Che on your show? You've got to get them on your show. Listen, they ain't interested. Yeah, they're not. But if they were to be open to be to at least admitting how insane, I actually applaud how unlikable Che is because I think (laughs) every show needs a villain. And I know insufferable, insufferable queer people like that. Like especially insufferable. Thank you. Yes. So yes. I I love it because it's very realistic, and I also the fuck boyery of it all. The like, there's just the comedian just being a fucking just the worst. Like that scene in the bar where Miranda's sitting there and Che is just like ripping Miranda to shreds is just perhaps Emmy worthy. Unclear. Oh, listen, maybe I, I, everyone is so upset that Che was not a funny stand-up, and I'm like, as you said, like that's so real to me. You know, the best comedians that I've had an interview on Homophilia, where I was like, this person has a special. Are you kidding? You know, okay, I, Matt. We've said it many times on Cool Cool Cool. I've said it many times on the Taylor's Record Show. I've even said it, Sirius XM, the the news with John Hill. Comedians are nine out of ten a major disappointment on a podcast. Like, yeah. and the fact that they had a podcast, uh, it, they they would have a podcast. You know, I, I stand mean, by it. Do you think Carrie is a good podcast host? I think that she had a lot of potential. I was disappointed they they did away with Carrie's podcast so quickly. Well, and I kind of, but I did sort of love. That's why, like. I'm like, damn, is this like AI chatbot? Like even like LinkedIn news, it felt like. It's like, there's no ad revenue. Like we can't sell ads. Like we're closing down. I'm like, oh, this hits real close to home. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it really does. too close. Um, Yeah, I don't know. By the way, in the podcast studio that they shot in, there was in the control room a poster on the wall that some eagle-eyed friend saw, paused, zoomed in. It was this real poster that an artist had done. It was like Earwolf's 10th anniversary and homophilia used to be on Earwolf. And so all the hosts had a little drawing version of themselves on it. And Dave Holmes and I were in there. So I I exist in the universe of it just like that. What? That's yeah. crazy. I know. I'm, it's my greatest honor and greatest achievement wow. to this day. You know, that's a huge one. Thank that you. alone, no wonder you just got the show from your name. And yeah, people were begging for it. They begging. Were like, so, who's your? Fa- I know Carrie is your longtime favorite, but there's quite a robust new cast of characters, and just like that, mm-hmm. which a lot of diehard fans had a problem with. I mean, I think one of the biggest critiques was that in the original series, you would have the four girls and yes, you would have Steve and even little Brady 
and the nanny and even big, but you would never, they would never have an entire episode dedicated to them. They would never have multiple scenes dedicated. Like we didn't really get to see either their perspective or a whole episode on them. Do you have a favorite new kind of cast member from and just like that? I mean, it's got to be Seema, you know, Sarita Chowdhury, who, who is, she's a, a little bit the surrogate Samantha. Yeah. But she's so much more than that, too. I, I, I love her friendship with Carrie. I, I, I feel like, I, I like all the new characters, including Che, for the most part. There were just too many of them. I, th- I felt like it was heavy. It was we top heavy. We had to spread heavy. ourselves too thin because the more time we're going to spend getting to know Lisa Todd Wexley, the less time we have with Harry and Charlotte, the people that we are attached to from 25 years ago. So I predict that there will be like a, um, I don't know, I, I, I bet not all of them will come back in season three. And I think that will help the show. You think? I, I think, I, I mean. Do you know? No, I don't, I don't know anything, please. Like the girl that lives downstairs with her weird jewelry line that gets the apartment. I don't give a fuck. No, we might have said goodbye to her. I would be surprised. I mean, Karen Pittman, who plays Naya, you know, the professor. Of course. She is on the morning show. And like, it was so clear, especially in season two, that she was just so busy. They just didn't, they couldn't like get scenes with her. So they had all of these little mini scenes where she's like just fucking a random guy in bed or, you know. They were just trying to like get whatever they could from her, but I predict that she will simply be too busy to come back. And I also feel like after everything, but then we gotta have Jay, a whole storyline of where she went. You see what I'm saying? No, it's like, yeah, uh, we need that. I you don't think they will? No, no, I think you're right, but I don't think we did. Here's my real fear for both, and just like that, season three and morning show. I guess would be season four. My fear is it because, like you're saying, both of them are so sort of concerned with speaking to the zeitgeist, I worry that they will feel the need to address Israel. And the morning show having to relive every fucking thing that we just went through two years later, pandemic, Elon, all of a sudden we basically have Elon Musk in the show, which I was like, thanks a fucking lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean crazy corporate and like it the morning show i'm like i don't want to talk about this anymore i don't want to talk about the pandemic i don't the insurrection the fact that bradley saw her brother at the why the fuck was she it was so off the richter scale out of control the insurrection alone was beyond and the fact that that's like where we ended i mean i have a lot of listen do I watch every single episode of The Morning Show? Will I watch every single episode of The Morning Show? Yes, I will. Of course. But of course. it just got so, like the fact that we were going to space in the first episode, I was like, why are we in spacesuits? Like, what? I'm, I'm going to say something shocking. I haven't seen The Morning Show season three yet. And that, it, and just to let you know, the one thing that Sorry. I'm even more obsessed with, that, no, please, I, I, you haven't spoiled anything because this is, this is what everyone's saying about it. I'm such a Jennifer Aniston fan to like, here's my Jennifer Aniston coffee oh. mug that's on the table. Here's a random Jennifer Aniston moth that someone gave me. My Jennifer Aniston oh, calendars wow. over really there. Oh, wow, you really are like, a Jennifer I'm, Aniston fan. 
psychotically. I love her so much. I mean, a, a true, perfect human. But I'm behind on the morning show. I don't know. What can I tell you? Well, let me tell you. It's a lot of this. <laughs> Liz is making some savage faces, listeners. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to make a video out of that. I. It's crazy. It's unhinged. I mean, are they filming in Just Like That yet? No, I think they just started writing it because and they, uh, they just said, published somewhere that it's not going to come out until 2025. Goodbye. So we got Who even knows while. who I'll be? Yeah. Well, hopefully all the kids will be too old and they're in college so we don't have to fucking deal with Brady and sh- whatever Charlotte's kids' names are that I don't care about. I mean, the Ralph Lauren modeling storyline, <laughs> I just like literally can't care less i'm just i i mean even the best was charlotte model. what'd you say even as a former model you couldn't connect to that exactly exactly i will also say though that i loved watching charlotte get like pissed drunk and just like oh, yeah. lose her mind that was great actually she's the revelation for me like charlotte i am having such a like renaissance love affair with now and even just like rewatching old episodes of Second City, because when you're young, nobody aspires to be a Charlotte. You want to be a Carrie or a Samantha. See, I Maybe wanted to be a Charlotte. Can I, throw, can I throw the monkey wrench? Yeah. Upper East Side, taking care of art dealer, but doesn't have to work. Banging body. Just like got the Oscar de la Renta and the v- Valentino on lock. Plays tennis the fuck get out of here Jeez. that's my dream i'm like get me out of here i mean i'm definitely probably the most like carrie but mm. like and i guess maybe a little bit like miranda miranda's fashion much better i always used to say yeah. no to miranda because of the fashion this season i like it a lot but i, I yes charlotte is number one stuns she figured it out she was like yeah her husband worships her she's a dog yeah. And she's the best friend that yeah. anyone could ever ask for. Like mm-hmm. just for the moment alone that like Big left Carrie at the altar and Charlotte was holding her and said, No, no. I mean, that's That's how I both. am though. I'll kill a bitch in the street. I'm very loyal. I think that's what I'm saying. So funny. People are like, Oh, what or what are you? Charlotte. That's my number one pick. Always has been. Love her. I love her so love much. Love an A-line because she's got a little bit of a booty. I mean, obviously I'm a lesbian, so I'm like in love with her as well. So that's a whole nother confusing layer, but sure. it's all fine. If you were to write yourself into and just like that, because you are auditioning, you have a very successful wow. podcast on World of Wonder, what would your character be? God, it's such a good question because uh, like me as a podcaster, like that, that ship has already sailed. Like we've already told that story, you know, several times over on the show. So I don't know what else could reflect real life. I mean, it doesn't have to be real I, life. You would write a character for it. You could be a character. I, you know, I just don't have that uh, good enough in imagination for that. I'll do it. Uh, you know, go. Okay. You are a very snarky tech entrepreneur that started a gay male dating site that uses chatbot AI and you sold it for a billion dollars and you are now looking for the perfect apartment 
that ah. Seema has to find for you. But then Carrie is lonely and can't figure it out because Aiden lives on a farm with his kid that does mushrooms and can't figure his shit out. And Seema's like, I have a new bestie. And then you come in and then you are great and you're like super chic and super snarky and you're like looking in Tribeca because like, why not? Like, ugh, me packing, maybe, but like, who cares? And then all of the gay boys in their life are really jealous of you. And then it finds out, we find out that like Samson has been like messaging you from India because now you're thinking about doing a new wellness app that uses chatbot AI to bring us all together. Okay, mic drop. It's uh, it's done. We've how was that? That was just off the cuff. Another perfect season three story for them. I'm in. I'm in. Michael Patrick, if you're listening, as my best best friend, just know I'm available. And so is Liz. Oh yeah, my character would be mm, Upper East Side mom, but like is queer, which is like edgy for Charlotte. Yeah. And I throw the best dinner parties in town and she starts hearing about it and all the girls want to get invited to my party, but they have to like win me over to come. But like I have one foot in the cool lesbian world and like one foot in like the metropolitan art scene. So like Mm -hmm. nobody knows what to do with me. But then Miranda falls intensely in love with me. But I'm like, no, yes, yes, yes. I don't know, but I'm divorced. That's right. And my ex-wife is super rich and like also created something with chatbot AI. And it's just like, what it's are we going to do? All the chatbot AI is involved in every one of these pitches as it should be. That's brilliant. Honestly, hire me. Like, let's go. Like, just, your want, character was pretty realistic. Stories. It's pretty great. I mean, I want both of those stories. I knew that mine was going to like, like, bend towards stalker a little bit and you got there like you know what i mean just because well, of i my put a darkness in there needed, I, I wove a little it. darkness in there yes and and we needed it like the, we had to turn on this guy at some point because yeah but i wove you into multiple characters and yeah. what they do so i know you're welcome. so they're gonna need to keep me around all season long at least for two episodes that's all we can ask treat them mean keep them keen um matt Despite even technical difficulties that we experienced, you've been a gem. You're such a delight. I am going to shake you down after the holidays to make you come on the show and talk about the um, art lesbian episode of Sex and City. If you didn't, it would be homophobic. So Yeah, and I don't need that. I don't need that title attached to me. None of us do, Matt. <laughs> Isn't Matt sweet? Just love that, Matt. I didn't know if Matt was going to like me. I think Matt likes me. I don't know. You'll have to tell me what you think. Um, If you want to watch the full episode, make sure you head on over to my Patreon and definitely check out. And just like Matt, I'm hoping he sticks to his word and I am a future guest.